Welcome to New Life, everybody. Glad to have you here. Hey, listen, go ahead and find a seat. Go ahead and find a seat. Uh, look, uh, I just want to welcome you guys here. You are in our West venue at our Carney campus. I will also want to say a big hello to those worshiping in our East venue at our Carney campus, as well as our New Life family that worships with us every week out in North Platte. So we are one church, multiple locations. You're sitting in one of three venues right now and in one of six worship services that we're offering on this particular Sunday morning. So thank you so much for making your way to new life, I know without a shadow of a doubt, God's got great things in store for you today. All right? So, man, I'm just looking forward to what God's going to do in your life. Hey, look, I don't have a lot of time today, okay? Uh, They put me on a time clock. Yeah. Can you believe that? How dare they do that? Actually, I did it to myself. And then, um, and we made it a little shorter today. So please, no silent amens around here, all right? People are like, amen to that. Glad it's shorter. Um, So anyways, the reason why it needs to be a little shorter is because we have a powerful, powerful testimony that you have to hear today of an incredible miracle that God has done in our church, but primarily it's in the lives of people that attend our church. And this whole sermon today is built around driving home one powerful principle, and that is that we're all in need of a resilient Savior. We're all in need of a resilient Savior. In this teaching series called I Am Resilient, our whole goal is to try to help you grasp and understand what true biblical resilience is. Because we know something about the way God created us. That God created every single one of us with this innate human desire to be resilient. To be resilient, to overcome and to rebound from whatever it is that we face and wherever we're challenged with. Now, some of us have more resilience than others right? But we were never designed just to trust and to rely on our human resilience. We were built with a void inside of us that wanted to be filled by Christ himself and that he alone would be our resilient savior. So through the month of October, we're looking at different principles in a biblical sense from God's word that define what real godly biblical resilience looks like. And that all of us are designed now to live this biblical model of resilience. Because in this world, you and me will face troubles and trials and struggles and sorrow of all kinds. But Jesus has overcome all of those things. And so today we talk about him as our resilient savior. Now, one of the interesting things about a savior is that actually it's something that we all really kind of hunger for. We, we all have this like desire over and over and over again in our lives to be almost satisfied by a savior um, on this earth. It's why, it's why movies and books are so powerful and they're, they, they make so much money. There's billions and billions and billions of dollars that have been raised off of us because of our addiction to be satisfied by a savior. Like, like as an example, like all, all of the Marvel comic movies, all of those, right? Yeah, somebody just went, woo, for that. All right, okay, good. You guys know who your favorite Marvel comic character is? Could you say who it is, right? You don't have to say it right now. But all of, and some of you guys are like, who are those people? I'm like, wake up the planet Earth, people. Wake up the planet Earth, okay? All right? Google. Do you know Google? Just ask Siri. She'll help you. All right. So here's the deal. Here's the deal. Like, all of these movies, they all come back to one common theme. Somebody's trying to destroy the earth. Somebody's trying to blow up the universe. And there's one Marvel comic hero who's going to save the world, right? It could be Captain America. Come on, right? 
or it could be Thor or Wonder Woman or Spider-Man or Iron Man, and the list goes on and it goes on and it goes on. But man, these things are so popular, so popular. And one of the reasons is because we love a great story that has a savior in it who saves the day, saves the planet, saves the universe, saves the family, saves the girl. We love it. Like a movie a few years ago that, uh, and by the way, I'm just bringing these things up. You, get, you do to realize, right? Like, I don't need any letters from you telling me that, you know, I'm condoning any of these movies, right? We're all adults here, right? We know that I'm using these as examples, right? Just shake your head at me if you understand that. Okay, good. All right. So you can stop writing your letter right now. Um, so the movie Taken, all right? Taken. Here's the, here's the whole thing. Like this father, he's got this daughter. She goes to Europe and she gets kidnapped and brought into a sex trafficking scheme. I mean, I don't know about you, but when I was watching that as a father, and anybody that is a father should have had something come up on the inside of you that went, I'm going to take care of that, right? I'm going to save the day. And that's what the main character does. And he's got this famous line when he's on the phone with the one who, is ki- who the kidnapper is, right? And he goes basically this, like, if you don't let my daughter go, I will look for you, I will find you, and I will kill you. And you're like, as a father, you're like, go get him, man. Go get him. Right? You can't do that. You can't treat people's daughters like that. Right? And it's just like you're with the character throughout the entire movie. And you know he's going to save the daughter. Right? Because the, Hollywood wants me to go pay for the next movie. Right? So you know how it's going to end already, but you're, you're, you just got to be there. Right? Because we're rooting for the Savior to save the day. Or a movie most recently called Hacksaw Ridge based on a real life story of a soldier in World War II who, you know, was a, he was a devout follower of Christ so much so that he refused to carry a weapon into battle in World War II. In a battle of Okinawa uh, was one particular place that he was at. And, and in that battle, not carrying a weapon, just being, um, you know, a medic, he ends up saving 75 soldiers. But I think one of the powerful parts of that movie is as he lays there in between saving one after another after another all night long under, under the battle of bullets flying all over the place and grenades blowing up, you know, around him. He prays this prayer over and over again in the movie to God. Help me get one more. Basically, help me save one more. We're all drawn to this. We're all longing for it. We all have this desire, this need to fill that void. Now, take these earthly examples, some of them just, you know, made-up examples, you know, just to create a movie and try to compare that to the ultimate Savior, who is Jesus. And I'm telling you, there is no comparison. There's no comparison to celebrate our, our resilient, incredible Savior who's risen, Jesus. He's the one who made a way for our sins to be forgiven. Oh, and by the way, have you heard this lately? Forgotten. Some of you need to hear that. You need to know that our sins are both forgiven and forgotten when we repent them, you know, to our risen, resilient Savior. That's, there's no comparison to that. Jesus, our resilient Savior, he saved us from eternal separation from God. That our sins were going to separate us from God, but Jesus built a bridge between man and God, and we cross over on it, and it looks like the cross. It's the cross that's empty because there's a tomb that's empty as well, and Jesus is risen. He is a resilient Savior. Jesus is our risen Savior, and by the way, here's the good news. He's coming again, by the way. He's coming again, right? 
Like, so no Marvel comic movie even compares to the second coming of Jesus Christ when he comes back for his church. Why does he have the authority and power to do that? Because he overcame death, he overcame hell, and he overcame the grave. Jesus is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and he's sitting on the throne right now, and today we worship a resilient Savior. Amen? That's today, right now. Jesus, he overcame everything that really matters. Everything that matters, right? I mean, there's a lot of things in this world that we're, that we're overcoming. There's a lot of challenges and battles that we're overcoming. And in all of your lives, you could probably testify to the things that you've overcome through the grace and the power and the authority of Jesus Christ. But I have to tell you today, all of those things are minor compared to what Jesus overcame. He overcomes the things that really matter. And by the way, Jesus rebounded from death. When the enemy thought he had him down, when the enemy thought he conquered him, Jesus rebounds and he continues to be, he continues to act and live and behave and and possess the authority as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. He always has been and he always will be. That's who Jesus is. Jesus is our resilient savior. And you and me were meant to live with him in here. You and me were meant to live with our life surrendered to him. You and me were meant to live with Jesus, not just being this religious character that you know, sits on your dashboard like a bobblehead that bounces around or like on a cross that you know, hangs on a chain around your neck or just a word that you know or just a Bible that sits on your nightstand or just somebody you come and you sing some songs about every given Sunday at whatever church it is you attend. And if you don't attend a church on a regular basis, I would hope that you would attend New Life on a regular basis. But Jesus is way more than that. We hear this term, he is Savior. We sing about it, we read about it, and I think that one of the things that's happened in Christianity is we forgot the authority of the, of the term, he is Savior. And as a resilient Savior, through the power and the authority that rests in, in Christ, now we have the ability to overcome the things that really matter. The Bible has a lot to say about Jesus being the Savior. I want to take you through a few of the verses. 1 John 4, 14 is where we're going to start. That we have seen with our own eyes and now testify that the Father sent his Son to be the what? The Savior of the world. First and foremost, right off the bat, Jesus was no accident. Right? Jesus didn't just show up on the scene, born a natural birth, and then just become this incredible leader. No, Jesus was sent by the Father for a purpose, and that was to be the Savior of the world. Jesus had a powerful purpose. Okay? Now let's look at some of the qualities of, his, of being Savior in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 10. And now, he, being God, he's made a way for, he made a way uh, has made all of us, excuse me, all of us, this, this plain to us by the, by the appearing of Christ Jesus our Savior. He broke, look, this is the qualities. He broke the power of death and he illuminated the way to life and immortality through the good news. So what is the good news? Yeah, okay, so see, did you hear that answer? That, that's the answer that you should always give when a pastor asks a question in a sermon. It doesn't matter like what the question is. If you just yell out Jesus, you're like 90, 99.9% right, okay? Uh, you can barely be wrong if the pastor ever asks a question. I don't care what church it is. Pastor asks a question, just yell out Jesus, you're gonna be, you're gonna be pretty close, okay? Um, if not right on the money. So here's, here's the qualities. Look what Jesus has done. He broke the power of death. 
That's what we were just talking about. He broke the power of death, not just for himself, but he broke the power of death when it comes to the eternal separation between us and God. He broke it. Like it's shattered into a million pieces. It can never be put back together again. He conquered it completely. But he didn't just do that. Look what else he did. He illuminated a path for us to have eternal life with him. So Jesus, he conquers death And then his life is like a beacon shining down a path. And he goes, follow me. Walk this path. There's no other way to get to the Father. There's no other way to get to heaven except through me. And I just want to challenge you right now. It's one thing to say I worship God. It's another thing to say I worship Jesus. Jesus is God, by the way. But in our culture and on the planet in which we live on, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. You can go different places and you can say, I worship God. And someone else will say, I worship God. And you're not even talking about the same God. So here's what I challenge you to do. I challenge you to change your verbiage, church. Change your verbiage. Because in the Bible, the verbiage is really clear. Jesus is the resilient Savior, period. Period. And I would challenge you the next time you're talking with somebody about your faith to tell them, who is your God? Who do you worship? Jesus, Jesus, that, that's where we need to go. But there's more to this whole thing, all right? So here's the way that the apostle Peter, he starts his second letter. He says, this letter is, is from Simon Peter, a slave and an apostle of Jesus Christ. I, I am writing to you who share the same precious faith uh, that we have. This faith was given to you because of the justice and the fairness of Jesus Christ, our God and our Savior. Now he's driving home the point for us that if you want Jesus to be the resilient savior in your life, it only comes by faith. Faith in him, putting him, elevating him to his rightful place, lowering ourselves, basically saying, I am second, you are first, I'm gonna let you be the resilient savior. Church, that's for everybody, by the way. It's not about you having to get your life right or get your life fixed or any of that kind of stuff. It's about you and me surrendering ourselves and by faith saying, Jesus, I believe that you are God's only son and that you are my resilient savior. That's essential. It's essential if we're going to live in a godly way on this earth. So that's how the apostle Peter starts the second letter, but here's how the the book of Jude, how it ends. It says, all glory to him who alone is God, our savior, Through Jesus Christ our Lord, watch this, all glory, majesty, power, and authority are his before all time and in the present and beyond all time. Amen. Here's what it means. You can put your faith and your trust and your hope in Jesus because he always has been, he is, and he always will be. He is the alpha, he's the omega, he's the beginning of everything, and he will be the end of everything. Jesus is a risen, resilient savior, and he wants us to put our full faith and our full hope in his hands. So what do we do with this truth then? Well, here's a couple of things that your natural humanistic um, desire is going to kick in. And this is what you're going to, you know, maybe naturally want to do. You're going to want to say things like this. Well, God gave me two feet, so uh, I want to prove to him that I know how to stand on those two feet. Well, if you take that kind of approach, like God gave me these two feet, I'm going to stand firm. No matter what challenges come, I'm going to stand firm. Like, I've got this. Well, then that arrogance and that pride is going to cause you to see yourself as Savior. 
And if you start putting yourself as Savior directly, or by the way, for a lot of us, indirectly, that action is going to cause you to miss Jesus as the resilient Savior. And all of us, by the way, are going to continue to face challenges and trials and sorrows of many different kinds. And what Jesus wants is he wants us to rely on him as the resilient Savior. This is the way he said it. Take a look, John 16. Here on earth, you, you and me, right? You will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. Like one of the very qualities of the word resilient is that you have to be someone who overcomes. And Jesus right here in this passage drives home the point and he goes, I am the resilient savior. I am the one who overcame the world. And if you want to overcome the world, then put your faith and your hope in me and I can make you resilient. Not you in your own strength. I can make you resilient. Another natural instinct that we're going to try to go to is this, that I can prove how good I am. That's what I'll try to do. I'll just try to prove how good I am to God. I just want you to know something today. Good doesn't equate to Savior. Never has, and it never will. God doesn't have some good meter out there, you know, looking at how good you treat your neighbor, looking at how good you, you, know, li- you live your life, that you're just good. No, he's looking for the stamp that only the resilient Savior can put on your heart. Good never gets the stamp. Good never gets the ticket for entrance into eternity. In fact, you can live your entire life doing good to others, but without surrendering to the resilient Savior Jesus, you're going to miss out on eternity forever with God. So our good efforts, listen, they're limited and they're temporal. They're limited. Like you can only be in one place at one time. That's not the case with the Spirit of Jesus. The Spirit of God can be all places at all times. You have limited resources. I don't care how rich you are. I don't care how many talents you have. I don't care how much time you have. It's limited. And by the way, you can't fix all the world's problems. You can't fix all of the eternity issues. You can't do it. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what you have. You cannot do it. But Jesus can. He's perfectly designed as the resilient Savior with all the resources necessary to have a bridge built for every single man, woman, and child on this earth to have a relationship with God that will last forever. Only Jesus can do that. So Jesus said these words one day, if you want to find your life, if you want to have a resilient life, then you must give it away. So biblical resilience, it's found by elevating Jesus to be your Savior and you decreasing to be his follower. And there's one good thing that I can tell you today that is true, that Jesus has proven himself to be a trustworthy, resilient savior. Why? Because he overcame. And when you let Jesus be in the driver's seat of your life, he'll help you overcome. Here's the testimony I want you to watch of a couple that's from our North Platte campus. And there was a season of their life when they were trying to be the savior of their own life. And everything fell apart. And then when they let Jesus become the true resilient savior, it's amazing what God did in their life as well as in their marriage. Would you take a look at this amazing testimony? I was always a very dependent person. I was dependent on my mom (laughs) a lot. Um, And in our marriage, I think that just kind of trickled over into me just being in, like insecure you know you just have a baby and you don't you know I wasn't really sure where we were going and I, I mean I could tell right away like just the distance between us um, we weren't friends anymore we were angry um, we fought a lot there was I, I remember he had, he had a lock on his phone <laughs> um, 
No, I, you know, I just, I always felt the need, like I needed to, <laughs> to try to find out if he was with someone else or didn't feel like I was good enough. But I couldn't tell. Sometimes, you know, you think that that's just yourself. Early on in our marriage, I think the first marriage, things started to go wrong for, I felt like a good number of reasons. Um, to that point, and prior to us getting married, you know, as I mentioned before, I had spent a very long time looking out for myself. When I did start to do things that I shouldn't have been doing, I mean, there was uh, infidelity in our marriage. I did, I did cheat on my wife, and it, that's a terrible thing to do. Um, but I was very evasive and, and guarded. Um, but I always felt like I had to do things to protect myself, and I didn't, I didn't worry about her. You know, I just wanted to, you know, even while I was being destructive and destroying our marriage, I, I, didn't, I didn't want to paint a bad picture of myself, you know? So I did stay very guarded and, and didn't let her know the things that were going on. And even if I had at the moment, we definitely wouldn't have known how to dealt to deal with that problem together. Um, because, you know, like she said too, there was, I mean, there was no faith there. Uh, there was no God present in our life that we didn't have that third strand to help unify us as a couple. We had no idea what that would have looked like. Uh, the day we decided to get divorced, I felt a sense of relief. Um, from, yeah. from not having to fight, not having to argue, and not having to carry uh, different burdens. And, and I also didn't feel like I had to hide stuff anymore because I, I had done so many things. Besides our kids, but when we were separated, our kids were like not number one. <laughs> I think that time, that time away, um, we hadn't found God yet. I hadn't at least. You know, I, I was finding every other thing I could do in my life to, to heal my wounds and until I decided to just pick myself up on my own, you know. Um, that never fully happened until later, but I would say that was the one thing, you know, after that divorce. I, I felt like God was present for me day one after we divorced. Uh, and then I took a direct turn away from him because I was forced to ride in a car with a man named Dale, who's a dear friend of mine and an avid Christian. And for no, and I was not supposed to be with him that day. I had just came home from training uh, and I had to get in the car with him and he asked me about my story and because um, he's trying to get to know the people he's gonna work with, you know? And I started to tell him a little bit about what's going on. He's like, boy, do I feel sad for you. That is not what God has intended for marriage, young son. And I'm like, okay. Out. <laughs> and so he started to tell me all the things that I'm doing wrong, and I'm like, not having it. So the next day I was like, I'm not riding with this guy anymore. Don't put me in a car with him. I uh, filled my time with a lot of friends that were not positive influence. Um, drinking, sex, other guys. Yeah, during the time that we were divorced, I, I, did, I did the same stuff. Um, I did all the things that I thought I wanted to do. You know, but some of that, it, it catches up to you down the road. When I started to kind of feel like I messed up and I want to do whatever I can to get my wife back, uh, she didn't want it. And uh, I didn't know what to do. So I went to Dale. <laughs> and... Uh, I ended up on my knees in his garage 
listening uh, to him tell me about how everything that I was going through uh, was part of God's plan. And that if my wife and I were going to get back together, uh, that it would be kind of under his timing. So I agreed to start going to church with him sometimes. Not a lot, because I wasn't really sure I even belonged in one. Honestly, I, um, I found myself really hurting. And the person I wanted to call to talk to was him. We had spent so long in our marriage before uh, at the reins of our marriage. We controlled it. And we, in epic fashion, destroyed it at our hands. Yeah. Uh, and so that's why we agreed to, you know, if we're going to do this thing, we'll put God first, we'll do what He wants, and there's no possible way that our marriage could go worse than it did when we were trying to run the show. <laughs> so here we are, um, you know, we've been remarried now for two years, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, it hasn't all been, it hasn't been great all the time, but with God in our life and a lot of the loss that our family has gone through, um, we were able to get through a lot of tragedy. I mean, we've been able to share our, our tragedy, I think, um, and just more of showing that God promises He's there. And I think that that's something we've really stuck with. He's faithful. Our marriage is so different. I mean, I can't even explain to you that, I mean, the things that, the joy, the happiness, um, every day that we see in each other. God's with us and and just having the opportunity to be able to praise Him because He's blessed us over and over and over again for something we are so undeserving for. We have a, a, a beautiful marriage and a beautiful family, our two daughters, and we've had a son. We have something now um, with God present in it that you feel like can't ever be defeated uh, or broken. It's a powerful example, right? A powerful example of the difference between you trying to be your own savior and then surrendering your life to the risen, resilient savior. Amen? There's a scripture that uh, this couple, they said, hey, look, this, is, this scripture really defines kind of what we went through and, and where we are. And it's found in Romans. Romans chapter 5, verses 3 through 5, says that we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials for we know that they help us develop endurance and endurance develops strength of character and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation and this hope will not lead to disappointment for we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love see when Jesus is allowed to be the Savior then he can turn the worst of situations into the most hopeful situations. I don't know how you feel about watching a testimony video like that, but I hope you feel a little bit like me, convicted. Convicted at times when I've looked and I've thought to myself, this is the, this is the outcome, this is just as good as it's going to get, or this is just the way it's going to be. People made foolish, bad decisions, and they're just going to be doomed to stick with them. Well, guys, I got good news for you. That might be true from a human eye perspective, but when the resilient risen Savior gets involved, he turns turmoil into joy. He turns trouble into victory. He turns sorrow back into laughter again. 
That's what a risen, resilient Savior can do if you'll put your hope in him today. So where do you need to trust Jesus to be your resilient Savior? If you're a follower of Christ today, right? If that's where you are. Today, Jesus is the Lord of Lords and King of Kings. He's the leader of your life. Then I would just ask you, please, I beg you, ask the question to Jesus today. Where is it that I believe that you're Savior, but I don't trust that you're Savior? Because there's a big difference between those two. And where he shows you, then surrender that area. One of the ways I would encourage you to surrender to him today, if you're a follower of Jesus, is just in our moment of worship, we got one song and it is powerful, okay? To respond to God with after this sermon. I would encourage you just to raise your hands to the Lord in worship as an act of surrender, an act of obedience to him saying, not only do I believe, but I trust that you are my resilient savior. And if you're a seeker of God today, but you have yet to surrender your life to him, then I beg you, open up your heart and invite the resilient Savior to come in. Let him be your Lord and let him be your leader today. He is listening for your prayer. He's listening for your confession of surrender to him. And when he hears it, he will rush in and fill your heart with a joy like you've never experienced, with a resilience like you can't drum up on your own. Why don't you stand with me and let's pray. Lord, we stop right now in the middle of this service just to recognize your authority and to recognize your your resilient Savior quality that without you being Savior, there's no hope for us. That without you being the Savior of the world, who was sent by the Father, then we are destined to spend eternity away from God. But because you are our Savior, you came and you gave your life on the cross, but the cross couldn't hold you down. You were put in a grave, but the grave couldn't keep you, and the stone was rolled away. You conquered death, hell, and the grave. You are our Savior, and you're coming back again to rescue your church and to spend eternity with your church, your people, the people that love you and have surrendered their life to you. And so today, Lord, may you pound on the doors of our heart. No matter who we are, no matter what our name is, no matter how long we've been worshiping you, pound on the door of our heart, God, and, 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 and let us invite you to come back in. Come into the areas where I believe, but I don't trust. Come into the heart that for the very first time I'd be surrendering to you or coming back to you again and saying, okay, God, I need you to be my resilient savior because me in control has caused an epic failure. But with you in control, with you in control, things can be healed again. Relationships possibly restored. Lives turned around. Things that seemed impossible can be redeemed all through Jesus Christ, our resilient Savior. Amen.